Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Backseat. Mornings, Austin, Texas Sports. You can feel the excitement in the air. The Horn. Yeah, wake it up. If you are uh, been with us all morning, appreciate that. We go at 6 a.m. all the way to 11 a.m., five hours, five days a week. E.N. Rod B., Austin's only morning sports conversation. Where'd the music go there, Ty? Just went away. The black phone <laughs> the, the, the computer has really been giving me some issues. Uh, okay, today. I was, uh, I, I, yeah. That, yeah, I'm sorry. That was abrupt. I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. Get to talking. Yeah, it's all right. It's Somebody nice. texted us with a spoiler alert for tonight's Johnny Manziel spoiler documentary. Spoiler alert. The untold portion of Johnny Manziel's story is his $5 million bender and then attempt to take his own life. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I think I did see on social media that there was a, a you know, maybe a, a suicide attempt there. I'm, I'm glad he was unsuccessful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah that's I, I, so I know I, I know Johnny's been through some dark times. I know he went through some dark days after the, the, the fall from grace. Um, but, man, that's the best thing about the – you know the uh, the American uh, you know the American dream, or that uh, you know being becoming or at least accomplishing your American dream. Usually after that, especially for all the stars, there is a fall from grace, and hopefully there's a reinvention and redemption story for Johnny. So you have the fall from grace. Hopefully this is the start of the redemption story for Johnny Manziel. Well, I look forward to seeing it because having covered Johnny even in his high school days out in Kerrville, I yeah, mean, he was. Oh, he was led by parents who allowed him to do pretty much whatever he wanted and spoiled him. The whole uh, what do we call it? Affluenza. Affluenza. That's yeah. been called. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, he certainly dealt with that. And you know, if you go over to East Texas, the the Manziel name is quite famous for for bad yeah. reasons uh, <laughs> for the family. But uh, so Johnny's got a great story, and that'll be, in, of course, one of the greatest Texas A and M football players of all time. One of them Heisman Trophy. Is he the greatest Texas A and M football player of all time? I'll let the Aggies decide on that. Because I've talked to Oklahoma. It's got to be, right? I think, well. I mean, he won the Heisman. Yeah, but would they win like nine games that year? Ten. Beat Alabama. One of them, I think they won 11 they beat games. beat Alabama Kevin that year. Yeah. I think you're pretty close. I think he's in there. I think I, think I would say it was so him. If you talk to Oklahoma fans, who is the most accomplished Oklahoma football player ever, which is deep and great history? It's Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah. Baker, 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 money make Baker Mayfield. One Heisman went to New York yeah. three okay, times. Would you say Colt McCoy is the most accomplished Texas quarterback ever? Nah, because he didn't win a national title. Yeah, but he holds all the records over Vince. Yeah, it's the same deal. That's but look, Baker, right Baker, Baker holds all the passing records, but he also won a Heisman Trophy, he won a Heisman. for a national championship, and uh, yeah, you got to win the Heisman or the national title. Those are usually the ones. And remember, Baker went to New York as a finalist for Heisman three times before he won it. Yeah, when no. They, Baker's actually, I know, I hate to say it, he, he might be my favorite sooner. I know that's like having a favorite serial, oh, serial killer. but my favorite. He's a Lake Travis kid, too. Uh, yeah, I know. I was like, that's, he, he might be my hey, favorite sooner. We ran sooner, out of time if in, that's uh, a thing. and off the record because I teased it, so let me mention it. That uh, says here from Yahoo, the battle of bloviating billionaires could be on hold for the foreseeable future. Elon Musk says he may need surgery, casting doubt on the proposed cage match with Mark Zuckerberg. What? Yeah, surgery. Surgery? On, on what is, what is yeah, surgery? His neck. Uh, okay. Neck and upper back. So now, okay, okay, okay. When, I would have whooped his ass, but I got to have surgery. Why is he now revealing this? He was talking trash. Probably got it trained. Months ago. He's been, and, he's and been, now he's been all of a training sudden, so hard he broke something. <laughs> sounds like excuses, he's 52 Elon. years old. Come on, Elon. Sounds like excuses to me. I'm 50, so sometimes you go back in the gym and start trying to pound it out, and that doesn't Dude, work. Dude, Mark Zuckerberg is like, like tiny. And he's 40. And he's small? No, we're talking Elon. But though. he's jujitsu. No, but 
Elon's he, hurt, right? I know, yeah. but Zuckerberg is small. My point is, oh, you should be able to weight. beat him. Big weight. Yeah, you got big a big advantage. advantage. No weight question. advantage, uh, reach advantage. Come on, man. Also, last thing. Don't from, be scared. Uh, from our off the record, over the top here. You see that Zoom. You know, people like to work from home, but but you know, corporations are trying to bring people back into the office because they realize it's it's not working for them. Zoom. It's not working for the corporations. It's yeah. working just fine for the employees. Right. The corporations are like, we want you back in it. Why? Because they're paying a whole lot of rent for a big building and office space that nobody Get wants to be in, in anymore. Get back in there. I'm paying rent for and this office space. And now the ultimate irony, Zoom. <laughs> Zoom is wanting their employees to come back to work. The company Zoom, who does the Zoom meetings and the made software. it possible for us yes. to work from home. Yeah. Ironically, the not San Jose based work. company now yeah. wants all employees back in the office. Mm-hmm. Come on back, please. Nobody it's, wants to go back to work these nobody days. Nobody wants to go back to not work. Not in the office. Most uh, people I know that work from home really don't work at all. I think really? That's been the My ex girlfriend. Productivity goes way down. She worked from home two separate jobs in the time we dated, and I couldn't. People would be like, oh, what does she do? And I, I honestly couldn't <laughs> tell you. Wow. Like, I'd be like, she works for this company. I'm not quite sure. What she does, I think that's, that's part business. of it too. With corporations, like, wait a second, we're not getting the same level. You know of what I think? She, she work for a big corporation. He like, doesn't yeah. know. God. He doesn't know. I don't remember now. <laughs> yeah, but it, no. And all my friends, they get this this program on the computer that because a, a lot of these companies will have this software that can monitor like if you're ma- yeah if you're, if how you're much active. you're on it. Yeah. So there's on, yeah. there's a program you can get that keeps your mouse moving constantly. Wow. So it looks like you're never you're always active. Right. That is uh that's interesting. I will say that I know some people like that. But they work for big companies at home. If you work for a smaller company. You can't hide. True. No, so hide. I know some people work for smaller companies hey, at home, at and they grind. Here, they they grind in their pajama pants, but they grind. Some <laughs> point, well, at some point here in, in the near future, um, we may have to do some shows from home because we're going to be moving our studios here in our building. Oh, yeah. We may have to work from home. We'll be doing our show, grinding it out for five hours. Uh, but, yeah, some people love it because they get up and they don't have to you know, drive in traffic and get ready. They can still grind out the work they need to do. But there are some that are going to take advantage of that, and it sounds like Ty's ex-girlfriend is living that life. No, but that's why some people that's why we got to go back to work because some of y'all taking advantage I, look, of the I will system. admit, it's good to I, – I know myself. I, I need the grind some. I need the structure a lot of times. I don't. I, 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 I work so much more and so much more productive when I'm at well, home just working. It's also different. Like, yeah. So, like, my roommate, he works from home, but he wakes up at 5.00. Starts working, out. he's done by twelve thirty, and then he gets a tea time every day. And That's right. There you go. There you go. You put, you put in his eight, he's, yeah. he's, seven, he's, eight he's hours. working that seven. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Working that entire time. But, your work but instead of done. going in traffic for an hour and a half or two hours every day, That's I get right. to just get up and go to work. That's his and time you can wasted. live wherever you want. Too. And you can live wherever you want. Time wasted. Before yeah. we get to uh, Rod's nine a.m. hour rant of the day, I wanted to play this for you because we had the debate about UFOs. And aliens. And here's, I'm a very pragmatic person, Rod. <laughs> I'm going to let uh, this astrophysicist physicist explain why I'm with him and the hearings in front of Congress <laughs> about UFOs. I'm on this side of it. I'm going to follow this guy's lead. Let's let him explain his reasoning for thinking it's all, all bogus. Hi, I'm JD, and I've been studying astrophysics for a little over 30 years now. And I had completely intended to be absolutely silent on this stupid UFO thing about the the government's been pushing in these hearings. But I just, I guess I I can't. I'm going to save you reiterating the degrees I have in physics and astronomies and the papers I've read and, and the books I've read and all that stuff. And I'm going to go straight into it. First off, for those of you that understand that a light year is a distance, not a speed. A light year is about 5.8 trillion miles. And that is the distance that light travels in one year. To say this again, if you are traveling at the speed of light, it would take you 
one year to go 5.88 trillion miles. Keep that in mind. We're going to get back to that in a second. The nearest star system to us is called Alpha Centauri. Now, it's made up of a few different stars. But in Alpha Centauri, Proxima Centauri is the one that's actually closest to the sun. From what we know about life, we are pretty certain that the Alpha Centauri system doesn't have life on it. But then again, you'd have to say, and to be completely frank, we're still trying to understand what is actually the definition of life. We don't really have one yet. We're always finding out that things like extremophiles exist. We're always finding out that, that life exists in places that we didn't think it could. So let's add those two things together. Perhaps there is life and proc on Proxima Centauri or in the Alpha Centauri system and that they have somehow gotten so technologically advanced they figured out a way to travel at or greater than the speed of light to get straight here to Earth. Well, I must give you a caveat. To everything that we know about physics with our current knowledge and technology, everything we know about physics is this, is that you cannot accelerate matter to the speed of light. It cannot be done because the amount of energy that it would take would be more energy than our entire universe has. But let's say they figured out a way to do that. Let's say they did figure out a way to travel to the, to the Earth and they did it. So what you're telling me is they would be able to travel 5,889,999,999,999 miles and then crash land, crash land on the last mile. Not only crash land on the last mile, but these super intelligent beings that are able to to break speeds of light and to 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 bend and warp space and time that they could do all of this traveling and not only crash land on the last mile, but do it in the Arizona or New Mexico desert only in the middle of the night with only the U.S. government uh, watching it. Come on now. There you go. There you all go. Right. Uh, that's I got nothing out of that. <laughs> Not possible. He's acting. Not possible. He's acting like like if like Elon Musk sent up like sent up a spaceship. Like yeah, obviously it's different. Like, it's not possible is what he's saying. There, there's wormholes. That what space are wormholes? Time, the space time continuum being broken, and no. you can and and there, there's plenty of different. There's, there's stuff we don't even know about. Theoretical. Yes, he's talking about. The, I'm gonna I'm gonna go theoretical with the 30 elements. year student of astrophysics. Not you. He did not. He was like, <laughs> I'm gonna spare you telling you all my qualifications. <laughs> now I'm just gonna start rambling. He didn't disagree with what I said. Basically, is that yes, intelligent life does exist. I agree with that part. It just hasn't made it here to Earth. Is the question that's that's the real question that I think we should be debating. Has it made it to Earth? I don't know if it's made it to Earth. Aaron, yet. It, do you do you like, it, this there. could be unfathomable to our human minds and how, it could be and how these yes. beings it, it could be it could be yeah yes. I, I don't the quantum mechanics blowing the my mind right the now. quantum mechanics of it all is could be something that we cannot fathom because yet our our technology and our intellectual uh, prowess has not yet evolved to the state where we can understand it I totally agree with that that can be also the case. Yes. Take your side. Take your side. Five I'm with years. Him. Five years. Five years. He's saying it's going to happen to me. Right. So I can't wait for that. Way. And also, I, we're already bored with the aliens, though. You'll admit <laughs> they, they had a congressional hearing about it, and nobody even really cared. We're not even hey. talking about it. Some guy basically admitted they were they were murdering people to cover it up, and still nobody. That's even that's what they were just pushing to distract us from what's really going on. Here we go. <laughs> what right. is I'm with Todd. Ty. What's, really, what's really going on? Here's the good thing about Ty. He's on the grassy knoll <laughs> with every every conspiracy theory. Ties in. Hey, I, you know what? I'm, I'm using that with you too. I will indulge a conspiracy theory. If anything, it's a thought experiment that expands. I like asking Your horizons. Questions. Yeah, exactly. 
expand your horizons. Yeah. All right. Let's go. I want to expand my horizons <laughs> with Rod's rant at uh, 9.15. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. Now, Area 51. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's so funny. The text line is on both sides. Ty is so right. Ty, use your brain. Stop drinking the UFA, UFO Kool-Aid. Uh, I love it. Uh, well, hey, hey by, by, by the way, UFOs are real because they're just un- unidentified flying objects. So they, they are real. Baker we Mayfield know what they and are. his wife saw yes, UFOs so before. UFOs Remember are, that? Well, I say, there, there are nuances to this discussion. But anyway, we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get to the... What I think actually is a really compelling story that's developing with the Dallas Cowboys because the Dallas Cowboys uh, have basically decided that they're going to play some hardball with their Hall of Fame guard, Zach Martin. And other comments that came out today, remember earlier this this month, or is he last week, I should say, remember last week when when Jerry Jones was asked about Zach Martin holding out, and this was at the start of training camp, um, he initially said he wasn't worried at all, that they'll fit, get it figured out and it's not a big deal. Then he changed his tune about three, four days later into training camp, um, and he said, we can't pay Zach, I'm paraphrasing, because we got to pay Micah, right? Basically, Micah's got Zach's money, uh, and Zach signed the deal. Now we're 12 uh, days, 12 practices in, $600,000 is the number of uh, the, the uh, number uh, for fines. For Zach Martin, so that's the uh, the amount of fines he's incurred so far, and now they're a stalemate. This was Jerry Jones on Monday when asked about Zach Martin's holdout. This is via the Dallas Morning News. He said, "Surprise is really not the word there. It's very costly, and so that's where we are. Huge, significant ramifications happening here by anybody's measurement financially." When they were asked about. You know, what are the Cowboys going to do if there is a long-term holdout because the Cowboys didn't anticipate we'd get to day 12? Um, Jerry Jones said, quote, you realize that not having him here, it could happen on the next play, and you're not happy. He said, so you've got to put that one and say, we'll just move on here without him. But you say, boy, that sounds concerning. No, I'm just trying to give you how you really have to look at it. So Jerry Jones and the management of the Cowboys claim that they're at least right now coming up with contingency plans just in case this Zach Martin thing gets ugly. I think it's already getting uglier than they would like. I do think Jerry Jones is right. Contract was signed by Zach Martin. It's a six-year deal. Uh, At least it was a six-year deal. He's got two years left remaining on that deal. Now he went from being the highest-paid guard in the league at the time of signing that deal with a $14 million per average. Now he's the eighth-highest-paid offensive guard in the league. Has his play falling off? No, he's still the best guard in the league, and he is on his way to a Hall of to, you know, to the end of a Hall of Fame career. Uh, but, yeah, now with that long-term deal, he cannot uh, you know, compete uh, with the other guards who have signed deals recently and have now— uh, passed him or surpassed him in the average annual salary. So he wants to be paid like the top guards in the league, and right now he's eighth on that list. I think 
Jerry Jones makes great points that, you know, we signed him to a deal and we do have to pay other guys. They do have to pay Micah. They got to pay CeeDee Lamb. They just paid Malik Hooker, just paid Trevor and Diggs. So they've been paying some of the other younger guys whose contracts are, their rookie deals are about to be up and he wants to extend those guys. And that's just basic business. What I will ask, though, about Jerry Jones in this situation with Zach Martin is why, why is he drawing the line in the sand with Zach Martin? I'm not saying he needs to pay Zach Martin, even though Dak said he needs to pay the man. But he has given other players, all right, he's given them their money before their, their time, all right, is, is up to ne- uh, renegotiate. He did it with Demarcus Lawrence. He gave Zeke a chance to skip the line and gave Zeke a new deal before Zeke was due to have a new deal. Uh, We've seen him do it with, hell, he's done it. Honestly, with Jalen Smith, he gave Jalen Smith a random new deal out of nowhere. It didn't make any damn sense. My point is there are several... There's several different examples you can point to where Jerry did not play hardball. He just gave guys their money because Jerry Jones is a fan of the players. He's always sided with the players for the most part. This is one of the few times where he's not only deciding to side, decide to side against the players, where he's not siding with them, but also he's playing straight-up hardball with a Hall of Fame guard who protects his biggest investment, which is Dak Prescott, the face of your franchise. So the question for me is why? Why now with, with Zach Martin instead of with Demarcus Lawrence or with Zeke back in the day? He never did it with them, but now he wants to change his ways. And I bet Zach Martin's a little upset saying, well, you want to do it with a Hall of Fame guard? Why didn't you do it with your – you're running back when everybody knew you shouldn't have been paying a running back uh, that kind of money and giving him a second contract. Why didn't you do it with Demarcus Lawrence, who was an aging defensive end? You know, why are you paying those guys and won't pay me? So I get it. No. Well, I mean, and I, my guess would be that Zach Martin and his agent believe that Jerry will blink like he did in those other cases. Like he'll blink and go the other way and get him what he needs and come up with a deal. I also think that Jerry Jones being told by Stephen and Will McClay, who have taken more and more control over the cap, and over the front office, they're saying, stop doing this, Dad. <laughs> stop doing this, Jerry. Uh, we we paid the guy. And we know what's coming with Micah. We know what's coming with C.D. Lamb. Uh, we got other guys. You know, this is how this works now. We've got a, we're, we're, we're built on the draft. We're built on developing our own players and then paying them. Uh, we've already paid Zach. We drafted him high. We paid him really high for his six-year contract, and now he wants another bite at the apple. We can't afford to do so. But I agree with what you just said, that he's too vital. I mean, that doesn't play well within the own locker room, that you're haggling with a Hall of Fame player who shows up every day and is just one of the absolute team leaders. Jerry, I mean, uh, it's been said that he's the guy, one of the guys that talks on game nights and really motivates the Mm, team. I believe that. Heard the same thing about Bose out in San Francisco, that those are like not only good Hall of Fame caliber players, but... You know, the, the the locker room leaders. So, uh, Jerry will have to figure that out. I, I still think it's only August the 8th, and they've got time, and I think they'll figure something out. i give you my big concern for the Cowboys right now. Yeah. With the way they're building this team around defense and more conservative Ball offense. control. Mm-hmm. Why are they messing around with the kicker again? Yeah, this is a this is an issue. I don't know what's going on with the I, kicker. Ty and I have talked about this, and, and yeah. all I will always say with Jerry Jones and have for 25 years is, I don't like coaches who or, or general managers who who bank on hope. <laughs> they bank on hope, not what's known. And last year, you know, they had Brett Maher, and he was a really good kicker. 
And but Brett Maher went south. Brett Maher got the shanks. Brett Maher missed four extra points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now Late in the season. And now here we are in camp, and they don't really know who their kicker is. No. Brandon Aubrey is going to be the guy now. USFL kicker. They cut a kicker named Tristan Viscaino, who was supposed to be their guy, but he's had an awful camp. I don't know. I'm good. You're All good right. with this. I mean, they won those games that Brett Maher missed those kicks last year. So wow, it's okay. <laughs> Brett Maher got signed. If, if you're banking on your defense mm. winning you games, ball control, fewer points, as he has said about Kellen Moore, then every point matters, Rod, and the margins are slim. Field goals, extra points. I just don't know. Do you have a better option? Is well, Cameron Dicker still out there? Well, did you ever? Did you do everything you could nope. from the start of March to find the better option? Because if you knew you weren't bringing back Brett Maher and you were going to go a different direction, well, go get a really good veteran kicker um, if this is the way you want to build your team trusting and hoping that Brandon Aubrey, who played soccer at Notre Dame before signing with the – he didn't even kick at Notre Dame. played soccer at Notre Dame mm-hmm. and then signed with the Birmingham whatever they are of the USFL and made 18 of 28 field goals for the Stallions. 18 of 28? Yeah, oh, 18 not, of 22, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. 18 of 22. 22 of 24 on extra points. I, this, I, I agree with you. I don't know why the Cowboys have been so irresponsible about their approach to kicker and running back. I think they've been a little bit haphazard in their approach to both. Well, think about the running and, backs. And, and consider, like you said, that's their formula. Going to be running the ball, ball control. Yeah. They're going to win with defense. And you rate slim margins. And two of the, the most pivotal uh, components for that formula, your running game, your running backs, and your kicker, they're question marks. But I don't understand why you would allow that to happen. Well, I know. And that the Cowboys still have some cap space to get the Zach Martin thing done. People are saying, what's your solution, E? Well, look, they should have had a plan in March when league business began to solidify the kicker position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that in August, kickers don't grow on trees. I get it. Uh, but you're, you're hoping that this kid works out, and if he doesn't, you'll be adding another guy. And on the running back side, they're hoping Tony Pollard can withstand the, the wear and tear of a full season. Malik Davis is another young running back of theirs. Rico Dowdle. Was that Rico Dow? And then I see the story the other day that the Saints have brought in Kareem Hunt because they have the Alvin Kamara issue they're dealing with. And, you know, Benjamin got hurt. Love the Cowboys to have gone and gotten Kareem Hunt for some insurance at running back. But Of course. I like that guy. Uh, Okay. Uh, It says Dicker not available. He's in Chargers camp as the starter. That is true. So There might be some kickers get cut, though, once they Because they had it. Dustin Hopkins was the starter in San So I think they they might have to. Yeah, some some teams they keep a couple on just to compete. The only reason Dicker was there last year is because Hopkins got hurt. Yep. Hey, coming coming back, there's Rod's rant of the day. Good stuff on the Cowboys, who will open up their preseason schedule Saturday night against Jacksonville with those fancy urinals that they've got now. Uh, They'll actually be in Arlington, though, playing the Cowboys at uh, AT AT&T Stadium. Uh, Texans will open up their preseason on Thursday night with the New England Patriots. First chance to get to see C.J. Stroud. Oh, yeah, he's going to start. He's going to start that game. We'll get some Texans Tuesday chatter going for the end of the program. But coming next... It's Ian Rod's uh, Horn Top 20 Countdown. The Horn Top 20 Countdown. We are at number 19. It is uh, one of the best players in all of college football is their quarterback, but how good are they as a team? We'll hit the North Carolina Tar Heels coming next. E and Rod B. Still looking for the best name in the morning. I'm liking five on five. I like... uh, too deep zone so far, Rod. Rise and grind. Rise and grind's not bad. Rise and grind because not we do bad. that five and five each like and every that. day. Mm-hmm. Write that one down, too. Write that down, Rod. 
Uh, Ty is here as well. Here's a text that says, I'm seriously questioning Ty's mental state with some of his takes today. Maher was trash. Kickers are important. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm getting a lot of good feedback. Oh, I know you are. That's well. why we love you, Ty. You're a polar. Uh, no, actually, he's gotten a lot of people there like, uh, Ty's, Ty's, he's on it today. He's got some great oh, yeah, takes. So it. It. It's, it's both sides. I love it's that because Ty doesn't live in the middle. He I, I, can take the the heat. I can take the heat. I know it's you right. can. That's why we love you. Conspiracy theories, well, we too. Love mm-hmm. Not just some conspiracy theories, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. you got to ask questions. Sometimes. You don't even pick and choose. He just takes, hey, I'll, I'll take it. Hey, uh, no question, we are in the number, the second team and number 19 in our Ian Rod B, Horn Top 20 Countdown. Do we have a little fight song action in there? There, T.Y. yesterday was Get Your Guns Up with the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Today, mm-hmm. we're in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, all right. Uh, now, so did you know, um, we know this good. about uh, North Carolina. They're coached by Mac Brown, who was your coach at UT. Mm-hmm. Recruited you. Love me some Mac Brown. Love me some Mac Brown. Do we know? Also, know that last year in 2022, the North Carolina football team was nine and one through their first ten games. The only loss was a loss at Georgia State, which was kind of an embarrassing loss for them last that year. That was, but Georgia State actually they they had some good athletes there. Um, actually, I watched. I don't know why I watched some Georgia State. Max team was somebody. finding ways to win games. They were close mm-hmm. games. But, like, you remember they lost a game early to Georgia State, but they also had that crazy 63-61 game with Appalachian State last year, Rod. But then they I they, they were sitting 9-1. and one. They had a three-point win over Miami. They had a three-point win over Duke. They had a, you know, 31-28 win over at West Virginia. Then they, they – uh, but they lost their last four games. They they beat West – Wake Forest by two. So they were 9-1 and one, and then lost to Georgia Tech, lost to North Carolina State, lost to Clemson – in the ACC championship game, and then lost to Oregon in the bowl game, in the uh, Holiday Bowl. So from 9-1 and one to 9-5. and five. Mm. And now they have Drake May at quarterback, Rod. And I'm reading this from Pro Football Focus. You sent me this last night that they have ranked their top 100 play, or 50 players in college football. Drake yep. May, number six on the list. And it says here from Pro Football Focus, Caleb Williams may have won the Heisman uh, but he wasn't the most valuable quarterback in PFF's wins above average metric. That distinction went to Drake May of yeah. North Carolina. Yeah, and when Mac Brown has, Lohan fans know this all too well, when Mac Brown has a good quarterback, a quarterback that is projected to be elite, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, man, his teams, that's when the blueprint all aligns, and his teams are usually at their best. And I think Mac Brown's team's going to be pretty good this year just because he's got his quarterback. And Drake May, a lot of people saying he's going to be the second quarterback picked right after Caleb Williams yeah. in the draft. And both are seen as high-end prospects. I have Caleb Williams made the best prospect since Patrick Mahomes. I'm uh, getting a lot of those Mahomes comps and then – you know, Drake May kind of getting some Justin Herbert Herbert comparison out there with the Chargers. Let's go to the Vaqueros Hotline, talk some college football on our Horn Top 20 with uh, one of our faves. He's the publisher of collegefootballnews.com. Uh, he is Pete Futak. Pete, how are you, man? Yes, the pro football focus that loved Marcus Mariota is possibly the greatest pro prospect quarterback they've ever seen. So, I, I, I look, I live in Chicago. I experienced Mitchell Trubisky. I the North Carolina quarterback thing is nice. Drake May is awesome, but come on, no. C- Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football. The moment you take Caleb Williams off that team, 
and they were good. They certainly weren't in the in the college football playoff hunt good. But uh, plus, yeah. So going into the season, yeah, North Carolina to jump on what you were talking about. May's great. I mean, that's why they're in the top twenty. But they still don't have a defense. Mm. So they're very good, but they're there because the voters know who Drake May is. Yes, and they open with South Carolina, which will be a great game to start the season in 23 days. That game in Charlotte. Uh, South Carolina finished where, where North Carolina finished with four straight losses. South Carolina finished great last year with wins over Clemson. And I think mm-hmm. – uh, who else did they beat late last year? Tennessee. Tennessee. They got to beat Tennessee down the stretch. Yeah, they, screwed up. They, they completely screwed up two uh, college football players. Because if Clemson doesn't collapse to South Carolina, they end up beating North Carolina, and they're in the college football playoff instead of Ohio State. And Tennessee, if they didn't get their you know, doors rocked by uh, uh, that in that game, uh, they would have had kind of the theoretical argument that that was probably a team deserving of the top four. So, uh, yeah, South Carolina messed up a couple of a couple of big teams last year. They're an interesting mm. team to watch. Pete Futek is with us and uh, defense. The question for Mac Brown's team off a nine-win team: uh, What what do you think their ceiling is? As we have them at number nineteen in our countdown, Pete. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, their ceiling is to get to the ACC championship and lose badly, like because that's kind of what they do. Uh, <laughs> that's what Mac Brown does. The thing about the AC- <laughs> well, you know what, Mac Brown. I mean, he's been great. I mean, look, he's been able to restore the glory, but there's all sorts of crazy fun stats about you know what the the record under Mac Brown was compared to say like Herm Edwards for a long stretch there and Herm Edwards ended up getting canned and Mac Brown is still Mac Brown, but he's been good, but there's, there's a hard ceiling on where this team has been able to go. But Clemson's the star of the ACC, Florida state's right behind that. I think Pitt is kind of the most dangerous team working behind those top two and in an ACC without divisions. And it's just the top two teams, Clemson, Florida state are probably going to play twice. Hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Florida State. I'm glad that's a nice little segue there. Uh, we've been hearing a lot about Florida State and some of the decision makers and realignment and what they want to do. Uh, what are your thoughts about Florida State? I mean, they may have some of the best overall talent in the country right now, um, just kind of looking at that roster. Uh, what are your thoughts about how far Florida State can take it this year? Yeah, there's a couple of problems with all that. First of all, they might be screaming and yelling, but they're stuck in this grant of rights deal through 2036. <laughs> so unless they want to pony up about $135 million, which is possible, Texas and Oklahoma did mm-hmm. it to get out a year early from uh, the Big 12. So that, or unless someone can find a loophole, they're sort of stuck you know, in the ACC, and they're just kind of complaining to try to get more money right now. But talent-wise, they're there. You're right. They're very good. The problem is, They've got a ton of talent, and Clemson has more. That Clemson defensive front, they've got more than that's a. They're going to say about about five different guys who should go in the top fifty of the NFL draft coming up. So they, that Clemson thing is going to be more dangerous. The problem with the Tigers, they still have to make sure they got a wide receiver who can catch the deep ball. 
and they could use another corner. They don't use the transfer portal. So Florida State's got to be able to take advantage of that early. They get, but the problem with Florida State is they start with LSU and they go to and they have to go to Clemson. They might start the year two and two, and they still have a bunch of quirky uh, games to go. They still have to go to Pitt, and that's in November. And if it's snowing, the guys from Tallahassee probably aren't going to like that. And then they still got to deal with a, a, a finishing kick game against Florida. So I, I like them. I kind of see them more eight and four ish as opposed to being this eleven and one team that could be on the outside right in the mix of the college football playoff. No question. Pete Fiutak is with us, ACC, I don't say loaded, but they do, do have two top ten teams in the preseason coaches poll with that Clemson team, Co- quarterbacked by a, a local product here from Austin, Cade Klubnick, uh, there at Clemson, and then yep. uh, Florida State, uh, Pittsburgh, always kind of a sleeper team for Pat Narduzzi, uh, North Carolina, can they find some defense to go with Drake May. Uh, Pete, real quick, I saw a tweet from your, uh, from your Twitter handle, which, by the way, uh, is at Pete Futak, and that is, is spelled uh, F-I-U-T-A-K, uh, is where you'll find Pete. But uh, you, you had a tweet about the ACC and not doing its job if they don't look into Stanford and Cal now that the uh, big the Pac-12 has fallen apart completely. They're down to four teams. And, um, you know, what do you make of, of that? Can the ACC try to appease some of their membership and add some more revenue by going west? Is that something you think is actually feasible? It's possible, if, but they're going to have to do some hard work to get there. But that's kind of where things are going. I mean, look, in the read-the-room category, everyone's yelling at the Pac-12 uh, for not being forward-thinking enough, and now they're done. And so the ACC, what they're doing is either they can get Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State, and open up a, a western branch of the ACC, which is what the Big Ten's doing with its Pac-12 gets, which is the way you need to do things. You need to expand the footprint. You need to expand you know, the markets. You need to get the, uh, first of all, the base, the eyeballs, and the student bodies who can look nationally a little bit better. And this would accomplish all of that. And you, you kind of forget, lost in all this with the academic side, which is what makes the college presidents happy. And so the Conference of Duke and Wake Forest and Virginia and Miami and all those great academic institutions. If you're adding Stanford, the number one ranked FBS school by uh, U.S. News and World Report, and Cal, which I believe is ninth among all 133 FBS schools, all of a sudden you've got a pretty good thing there. And the Bay Area, which I know nobody there really cares about college athletics, but look at the big team getting Rutgers. It's about markets. And you get a little bit something else with Washington State and Oregon State with two rabid fan bases who are going to be loving the fact that they're in something like this. So it would be a fantastic move if they could figure out how to pull this off. does make a lot of sense. It's a long way with the Atlantic Coast Conference with two schools on the Pacific Coast, but that's college football these days and college athletics and the academic things certainly line up. Hey, Pete, while we have you, you get your good thumbnail on the ACC. Yesterday we talked Texas Tech at number 20. At the back end of our top 20 countdown, Texas Tech Red Raiders with their quarterback back in the Big 12. Uh, what do you make of, uh, of Get Your Guns Up? Are they a team to watch with uh, Joey McGuire in year two? Absolutely. That is a fun team. Everything is in place. Uh, I am a huge Tyler Shug fan. I, I, he's one of those guys who kind of along with DJ Uyunglele, if you're looking for who's this year's possible Joe Burrow, who's that guy who you know, has been kind of lurking, uh, pretty good, but has all the tools where if it all comes together, the scouts are going to be like, wait a minute, there's a guy with everything a number one overall draft pick should have. Obviously, everyone's in love with Caleb Williams, and obviously everyone's in love with Drake May. Uh, but in terms of just the raw tools, I'll show you it. And they've got that offense 
that can absolutely light things up. The problem, however, even before all the expansion kicks in, is look from top to the bottom of the Big 12. Where is your free space game? You don't have like a Stanford. You don't have a Northwestern. You don't have, I mean, West Virginia, if that's your, maybe your worst team, who else? Kansas? I mean, maybe Iowa State who's a lot better, even without Hunter Deckers. I mean, so the, the well, Texas Tech is very, very good. So is everyone else. So, uh, but that is one of those teams that absolutely, you know, can come in the season and think that if you look at the history of Texas Tech, there's not a lot there there in terms of ever winning anything. This might be the year where they can kind of break through. I'm not going to say they're going to be TCU, but they can certainly be right up there with Texas and maybe Oklahoma if they turn things around to be right in the mix for uh, at least to get to the Big 12 championship. Hey, Pete, one of the programs has gotten a lot of hype in the offseason, some good, some bad, Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, in our, in our, in our uh, neck of the woods, people talk a lot about the Aggies these days, especially with the hiring of Bobby Petrino. What are your thoughts about how Petrino will affect that offense, and what are your thoughts about how the Aggies are going to finish in the SEC? And that's got to be everything. Look, it worked for a while. The, the, the control tempo, slow-and-go offense, in 2020, it should have gotten into the college football playoffs. They probably deserved it more than Notre Dame did. Uh, but obviously, it's just stagnant because when it doesn't work, their problem was if the other side could get to about 20 points, they had a hard time keeping up the pace more often than not. And now, at least the offense is going to have a whole lot more you know, better-paced offense, and they've got the guys. Now, all those great recruiting classes of recent vintage hasn't haven't come through yet, but They've got enough talent on the lines. They've got enough talent everywhere else. But the key is going to be, and it was the question last year, and it's still there, where are the proven skill players? Where are the deep guys, you know, deep bench of guys who can uh, really crank up that attack? And then the other problem, kind of like I just mentioned with the Big 12, where's, your, where's your, you know, your easy game? Where's your free space game in the SEC West this season? Because there isn't one. So, look, it, it's a, it's a, it stinks to live in the SEC West because that's probably a 9-10-ish to 10-ish win team that's going to have to battle to get to you know eight wins with this schedule they got. He is Pete Futak. We'd be uh, remiss if we didn't ask about Texas. Uh, they're picked to win the Big 12 by the media. We were calling it the all-gas, no-excuses year for Steve Sarkeesian. Nice. Seems to have all the pieces, all <laughs> the pieces, and uh, uh, Quinn Ewers has to play well at quarterback. What's your, what's your opinion of Texas? Yeah, you, you, you nailed it with your line there. Mine is it's an 11-win team and a 9-win body. It's, you know, <laughs> it's there. They, they've got – everything is right. There's no real excuse. You know, Texas and USC are kind of in the same boat where they're better than everyone. They have more talent than everyone. That's the team that should be 11-1 and and playing in the conference championship uh, with a shot to go to the college football playoff. And they were close last year. I mean, it kind of gets lost in how, you know, the season ended up. That, that they were Even the losses, they were right there. I mean, they should have beaten Alabama. They were really close in the other game. And now they just have to make that one extra little step and start winning all those close games. So, uh, at the very least, let me put it this way, in a loaded Big 12 with, with everyone pretty good, including the newbies, they uh, Put Texas, they're kind of the team that's going to be in the Big 12 championship and then find that other team. It's just a question of whether they get there with uh, one loss or not with a chance of the college football playoff. Pete, always appreciate it. Good to hear you. We'll do it again on our way to number one. Uh, always great analysis and appreciate you jumping on with us. Appreciate you. Uh, am, I, am I jumping ahead and saying you have Georgia number one? Uh, I should. 
<laughs> we probably should. Uh, I think well, we do. Let's, we have, let's, let's stop just, for 20 more shows. There. There's Georgia. There's Georgia and everyone else this hmm. year. But uh, yeah, this will be. This should be a fun season no matter what. You don't like Michigan to uh, potentially be able to uh, dethrone Georgia. Or yeah, maybe. I mean, because remember, there, Ohio State. No, old Noah Ruggles hits that kick straight, and Ohio State's winning the national championship last year, not Georgia. So it's possible, but Georgia talent-wise, yeah, Georgia's just. Ridiculous. Different level. Hey, Pete Futak, F-I-U-T-A-K is how you find him on Twitter, at Pete Futak. The College Football News, which is part of the SI Media Group, is a great website for college football junkies like a lot of you out there, and we are for sure. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Anytime, guys. Have a good one. There you go, Georgia and everybody else. But Michigan, Jim Harbaugh says we got 20 dudes that are going to get drafted. Man, I just know lines of scrimmage-wise. There, there aren't many programs that can compete with Georgia on lines of scrimmage. I'm not saying Michigan can, but Michigan's probably as probably close. The them and, 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 you know, and having other components as well that could put you in the, that rarefied air. And they've got Blake Corum at running back, pro football focus, who's read their top you know, 50 players. Blake Corum, four. Yeah, and, they, and, running and back. everybody likes the quarterback there. J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy. Well, keeps talking about I mean, him. When I watch J.J. McCarthy play, I do see a Joe, Joe Burrow starter. See, kid. there you go. He's got the, he can, the escapability. He's not as big as Burrow was, but the escapability, the ad-lib way of him making off-schedule plays and the – now, look, he threw the interceptions against TCU in that yeah, championship semifinal. At, at three high. He, were, he couldn't were, figure it out. <laughs> they killed him, but he he's got to eliminate that. But they've got a lot to like at Michigan. Uh, they're number two, Georgia number one. Uh, he likes North, North Carolina, but got to see some defense from Mac Brown's team. I think that's fair to say. Hey, coming back, who said that is who the question we'll have, including there's someone in Hollywood, Rod, who has come out as pansexual. Do you even know what that means? I do know what that means. I mean, you love everything and everybody. I'll I'll let you know who said it, and you see if you guess who that is. We'll have that coming back. Five and five. We're going into our fifth hour next hour. But, you know, it's time for Rod Babers on Ian Rod B. It is time for Who Said That? Yeah, yeah. Who, Who said that? that? <laughs> Who said that? Uh, all right, Rod, do you know, I, I, I'll let you play the first piece of audio, but I don't have the audio on this, but I'm going to say it anyhow, that you know who said that uh, they have come out as pansexual in Hollywood, saying to me that mean, being pan means being able to be attracted to anyone who identifies as gay, straight, bi, transsexual, or non-binary, being able to be attracted to all across the board. And I think, at least for me right now, that's, the proper place. That's the proper place. Hold up. So Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady. But I mean, that's good for him. Good for him. And pansexual just means you're attracted to all everything. Everything. Yeah. Any and all. So Wayne Brady is <clears throat> announced that to People Magazine. So there you go, Wayne Brady, host good. of uh, game shows and other things. That's the answer to the tease. He's in, that, he, he's in that one episode of the Spell Show, right? Yes. That is. That's what you recognize him from. That's what I recognize him from. Why um, Why did he feel like he needed to either wait this long, or why did he feel like now was the right time is, is my question. Because he's been in the public eye for a long time. Long time. Yeah. And now I guess he feels comfortable enough that he can be out of the closet. Maybe he just discovered himself. That's true, too. Could have just found out that he likes... Or All everything. flavors, every damn thing, yeah. <laughs> or he, That's going to be uh, true, too, yeah. It is told People Magazine. I have to go read the article. 
expose in there. I would like. I think it's. A, I I can't wait till we get to the point in society where you don't have to come out of the closet where it's all everybody's all good, loving whoever you want to love. I'm with you on that. Right? Some people make that. that decision like they're cool with never having well, a, just a post or <laughs> having to like officially be like, oh, I'm I'm pan. Yes. Like, oh, I just am pan. No, I'm glad. No, I, right now it's about pride and it's about. Making sure that the rest of uh, the or- the rest of our civilization, our society, that we are as inclusive as possible to people who are different, whatever beliefs, that kind of stuff. Um, so I get that, but one day I think it'll be awesome where we can just like it's all good, like everybody's just loving whoever they want to love. With no you judgment, on that. no judgment. But it's been so much judgment that I get it. Like that's the overcorrection. It's like, hey man, y'all need to know that you know there are pansexual people out there, and they they're proud of it. Damn it. Wayne Brady, one of them. What do you have for us, Rod? Um, I really don't have much here. Um, I had a piece of sound that I wanted to get to a little bit later, but I can I give you found this? It. I found it late. Can I give you this? Yeah. All right. So we talked earlier about the Baltimore Orioles suspending their broadcaster for nothing, <laughs> really, criticizing or at least pointing out the facts that they have not played well in Tampa Bay. Uh, and now the Orioles are the, the winningest team in the American League with 70 wins right now, and they've played better this year. They're one of the best teams. And, but for whatever reason, they suspended the broadcaster for just spitting facts, <laughs> spitting those facts that they— that He did nothing but the pl- facts. We played them earlier. Well, can we play this? Because uh, the, the broadcasting world is going to have the back of this, this guy. His name is, uh, is Kevin Brown with the Baltimore Orioles, who's been suspended by management and the ownership. Gary Cohen. Gary Cohen, who does the play-by-play on Mets games with Keith Hernandez, this was him last night in a Mets game against the Chicago Cubs going after the Baltimore Orioles for their decision to punish or suspend their broadcaster. Well, we were just in Baltimore watching a resurgent Orioles team that has really gotten the attention of the fans there. They're a young team. They're fun to watch. They're in first place in the American League East. They are just having a great season. And in the midst of that today, the Baltimore Orioles organization draped itself in utter humiliation with their treatment of one of their young broadcasters, a guy named Kevin Brown, who is one of the great young talents in broadcasting in this game. That's line to center field, and Bellinger makes the catch one out. During a recent game at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Kevin, during his opening, talked about how the Orioles had had trouble winning in the past at Tropicana Field, but that they were doing better this year. That was really all he said. And for that, the Baltimore Orioles management decided to suspend Kevin Brown. Let me just say one thing to Baltimore Orioles management. You draped yourself in humiliation when you fired John Miller, and you're doing it again. And if you don't want Kevin Brown, there are 29 other teams who do. It's a horrendous decision by the Orioles. I don't know what they were thinking, but they've gotten exactly the reaction that they deserve. And it's just a shame because the Orioles are playing so well, and now they've diverted attention from that and now made themselves a laughing. Laughing stock, he says. Gary Cohen. Yeah. It is. Yeah, and John Miller. It's shameful. John, John Miller is the one of the greatest baseball broadcasters of all time. Now doing San Francisco Giants games, uh, he was in Baltimore, and you know this is this is Peter Angelos and the Angelos family, uh, thin skinned, thin skinned. And every play by play guy around the country is going to side with him, yeah. and tell their story and advocate for him because they pictured themselves in that position, and all he was doing was being a professional. 
He was just laying out the stats and the facts, which is what as, as professional as you can get. Yeah. He didn't even give his damn opinion. Just stats and facts. If you're against stats and facts, then man, we are fundamentally the opposed. Only, there is, yeah, big time. And there, <laughs> the only justification is that he's been told to, to let's not dwell on the past. Let's talk about this team, the positive, the right uh, now. Only stats and facts that complement us, <laughs> right? Nothing, that paint us yeah. in a good light, exactly. not the stories of the past. Uh, yes, what a shame! Uh, what a shame! And uh, yes, he'll he'll bolt if they spend him. He'll, he'll he is a really good young broadcaster, Kevin Brown. I got a uh, piece of sound ready for um, who said that. Okay, uh, this give it one, to me. This will hit close to home. I'm talking about, uh, you know, a, a, a phase of the game that we don't often highlight. We talk offense and defense a lot. Uh, but this coordinator wants to talk about the third phase, which is the, uh, the, the uncelebrated phase of football. You have offensive players. You have defensive players, right? So offense and defense, we call that we fence. So we try to get the team to buy into that concept, that this is the only play where offensive and defensive players are going to be on the field at the same time, all working to a common goal, number one, creating explosives, right, and creating turnovers in the special teams game. A block punt for us is a turnover. Uh, uh, you know, um, forcing a turnover, knocking the ball loose on a return, and so forth. The collective group of on that deal yeah, there's going to be a DeMarvion Overshone and Roshan John. There's going to be a high-profile player because we believe in that, and that sets the culture for our building. If our best players are playing teams, and they ain't got to get worn out, but if they're playing one or two and they're in impact positions, that's going to make those freshmen come in and say, that's what I want to do. That's, it's, it's not big enough for them. It ain't big enough for me. But the culture of that group on the sideline, that's a 60-person group. That's not an 11-person group. That's all those scout team guys, all those dudes that make those plays and they're practicing the opponent's stuff and they're trying to make them come alive. All of a sudden it comes alive. That one play that comes alive, it energizes the entire sideline, the entire team. And so to answer that question, that's what it's about for us and that's what we try to build. And to be honest, Sark puts more time and he's in more meetings on special teams than any head coach I've been in. And he has the energy level of me when it comes to talking about special teams and that's grateful for me that I work for a guy that believes in it that much. There it's called go. We Fence. We Fence. Instead of offense or defense, special teams Whoa. is We Fence if you ask Jeff Banks. So that's what that was. The special teams coordinator for Texas. Who said that, Jeff Banks? <laughs> who might be the premier special teams coordinator in the league. And they've hired Joe D. Camillus as an advisor mm-hmm. who's 31 years an NFL mm-hmm. special teams coordinator. Won, get better. won a Super Bowl just two years ago with the Rams. So yeah, I mean, uh, go back to when Jeff Banks was at Alabama with Sark and the Heisman Trophy winners, Devontae Smith, he's covering punts. Yep, that's wild. That's, <laughs> he's covering that's, punts. 